Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. We are here, finally. It is the start of Tar Heel Football Fall Camp 2021. This is uh, the month that prefaces uh, what is going to be one of the most hyped seasons in Carolina football history. And uh, we're, we're going to, the day we're posting this, I am going to try to post it on the 3rd. So it will be exactly a month away from the start of Tar Heel football in the 2021 season. That will mean, of course, that the Tar Heels will be uh, just a month out from traveling up to Blacksburg to take on the Virginia Tech Hokies. And camp starts on August 5th. The guys arrive on August 4th. And uh, we're here to give you a little bit of a preview of what's going to be coming up here in the fall with a couple of uh, interesting, creative ways uh, that we're going to do that here on this edition of the podcast. We'll talk about some of the top storylines heading into camp positions we're most confident in, the positions we're most concerned about, and our top position battles that we are watching, sort of a carryover from spring camp. Uh, some of these have changed just a little bit, and we'll talk about those for you here coming up on this edition of the podcast. And, you know, first of all, heading into fall camp, this is about as healthy as Carolina could be heading into fall camp. It appears that most of the guys that were banged up or limited in fall practice are going to be pretty much full goes when this team gets into uh, into fall or during spring practice when they get into fall camp they're going to be full goes uh, even guys like Chaffrey Brown who missed the majority of spring practice it looks like he's going to be out there competing for one of the starting wide receiver jobs Bo Corrales will be back to uh, a full go uh, he was you know of course uh, starting to get things going ramping it up a little bit towards the end of spring practice but did not play in the spring game Carolina wanted to be a little bit cautious with them so we'll get to see him back out there and plenty of other guys on the field and I think that's one of the things that Carolina's got to feel pretty confident in it's you know rare that Carolina 
at this point has had a ton of serious injuries. But, you know, of course, last year you had lost Kedrick Bingley-Jones, who you were looking at, you know, based on how he had performed in the weight room before everything was shut down due to COVID. A lot of people thought he could be a big impact guy for you on the defensive line, which at the time was a little bit of an unknown. This year it feels like everybody that you need to be healthy is healthy, and it's going to create some really good competition as they get into fall camp. Yeah, um, and it's you know that's I think that's the thing. I think it's where this program is at now is where there's going to be a lot of competitions on that side of the ball, and, on, and same with the offense. And I think that's I think that's a good thing. A lot of people think well maybe it's worrisome, but I think it's also good that you've got that much talent and that much depth that you've got to sort out who's actually going to start and who's actually going to play a role for you off the bench. Well, you definitely want to see some separation. Mac Brown has talked about that, and we'll, we'll just go ahead and get into some of our top storylines here. And I think that's one of the big things here that when you talk about our first storyline, that's the areas where you need to see a little bit of separation. The skill positions right now, they have a lot of talented guys. Mac Brown has said that, but he said that in the spring, they didn't really see a whole lot of separation. We've pretty much come to the conclusion that Ty Chandler has sort of separated himself as the main running back, but behind him, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of separation. And then a wide receiver, it doesn't really seem like there is a ton of separation between any of the guys. Bo Corrales is probably the one guy along with Josh Downs that you would right now feel pretty strongly are going to play significant roles for the Tar Heels there, but Behind them, mainly because of the fact that Choffrey Brown was injured, you don't really know a whole lot about that group behind him in terms of who is going to step up and take those number one reps. Yeah, um, I, I, there's reason to be concerned about the wide receiver position, but I'm less concerned because I think this offense will just generate production from from those guys. I think I think it's a we believe it's a plug-and-play system. I think we're going to find out if that's actually true or not this year. Um, if you can just plug guys in and you can get the same amount of production. Remember, that's what it's been like at a lot of these air raid offenses. Carolina's not an air raid offense, but they can't. Air raid them. elements yeah, of their offense. Like so. Baylor, yep. Ole Miss, all those schools. They just put the next guy in. They put guys in the NFL. Carolina, we're, this is the first time we're having to do that under the Phil Longo experiment. So, you know, I, I think you want separation. But I think the depth will allow there's going to be the same amount of production. It's just going to come from more guys. Well, yeah, I mean, you want separation. You want guys that sort of step up and clearly establish themselves as, you know, the, the leaders and the guys that can take on more reps than maybe another guy. Um, really just, I mean, it, it's just convenient because you don't want to have to rotate guys back and forth all the time, wonder if you're making the right decisions, uh, everything like that. But, I mean, at the same time, I mean, yeah, it's, it's good to see that Carolina has competitive depth on this team. It's not to the point where if you lose a guy at one of these positions, you're in such dire straits that the, the production is going to drop off that much. That's what I think is really good. But, yeah, you do want to see a guy step up, like maybe Choffrey Brown sort of separate himself, earn that starting role, and then kind of let the rotational options behind him work it out. Same thing, you know, could be Emery Simmons there. I think yeah. that's one of those battles that uh, most people probably won't talk about. I personally don't have that on my top position battles, but I definitely think that's one where you're going to see those guys go back and forth, and then you'll have some 
some of the younger guys that could work their way into that conversation as well. Um, running back, I, I, I don't know. I think that's the one where you want to see a little bit more separation because it's not as easy to rotate the running backs like it is the wide receivers. Um, I, I think, you know, Ty Chandler's clearly your guy, but behind him, you want to see somebody sort of assume that number two role because as we've talked about from last year, when this offense is at its best, it's when it has at least two options in that backfield that can sort of keep Ty Chandler fresh because you don't want to get to a point in the season where when you go on the road in that October 30th game against Notre Dame, Ty Chandler's worn down because he's carried the ball, you know, 130, 150 times already this season. Yeah, you know, we talk about, you know, putting guys in that wide receiver position now you can plug it. It's harder with running backs. It's, it's really hard to just put a new guy in unless you're like Wisconsin or one of those schools. So that's all they do is they just breed running backs. And I think that's – Well, that's, that's also a big part of their offensive line right? playing well, which is key for this team this year. Um, And, and I'm – I think I'm really worried about that as well. I think you've got your guy in Ty Chandler, proven SEC running back. He'll be able to transition nicely. It's those guys behind you that right now they haven't really proven it on the field. You know, they've had some moments against like Western Carolina, um, and you saw some moments against Texas A&M. But I've been on the record saying that I think the guy that's really going to take that next step his name it'll it'll grow over the season in Caleb Hood. So you know maybe by that time when you go to Notre Dame, he'll be ready to go. But, you know, I, I do think that it's, this is a run-first offense. If they can't run the football with all the questions at the passing game as well, it's going to be a lot harder for this team to win. One of the other headlines is what is this defense and what can they do as they get into fall camp? You know, we heard a lot during the spring that this defense played really well. There were times where they were ahead of the offense. You wonder if that's going to keep up as this team gets into fall camp and you know we've heard it multiple times before and then right when they get towards the start of the season the offense really starts to take over get in a groove and pull away from this defense if this defense is going to take the next step this year we need to keep hearing those positive things that we've been hearing coming out of camp so far this year you may need a guy like Jaquarius Conley to be your solution at safety that allows you to move some other pieces around you may need a guy like Dez Evans to really be showing that he can consistently get after the quarterback I think there's some good things that we've heard about this defense through the spring now can it carry over into fall camp yeah here's the thing um Mac Brown's gonna do probably a weekly press conference during the during the course of the camp no doubt no if, doubt if there is some you're gonna know from him directly what he thinks about this defense because he is a you know he's gonna tell you like he sees it and I, exactly. he, he, and he hasn't hit it the first two years he's not gonna hide it now with all the expectations around this program and so I think it's to be really important to pay attention to what he says same thing when if Jay Bateman speaks to the media they really reveal their true thoughts and opinions mm -hmm. on what they're seeing on the practice field the guys that are reporting from practice stuff like that. You know, usually the first day or two, you usually see a defense be ahead of the offense because the the install. Hopefully, that's this defense should be the headline of camp the first week and a half to two weeks. It should be. It should take the offense some time to start making some headway against this defense. If not, there's reason to be concerned. Well, or or. or uh you would have to be impressed with what Sam Howell and the guys have done probably uh, during the summer, staying together. I think but if at the you same had the time, same guys from last year, yes. This year, no. If, if this year's offense is that much better at the start of camp than the defense, I do think there is an issue. Well, I think the biggest area where you're going to want to see – and look, you don't want to see them dominating every rep, but you want to see your D-line winning, probably keeping it about 50-50 with your O-line. You don't want to see this O-line completely dominating them. 
At the same time, you don't want to see your D-line just absolutely destroying your offensive line. So you want to see a good balance, and that's where it starts because Mac Brown has talked about that so often. And I think here in the fall, they're not, you know, when they're going through a lot of these drills getting set up for the season, Mac Brown does not want to blitz as much as he has over the last couple of years. Jay Bateman's scheme has been very aggressive so far because that's been the best way that they can get pressure on quarterbacks, but it's left them vulnerable. Games like Boston College, games like Wake Forest last year where <laughs> they were blitzing, but if it doesn't get home, you're putting your guys in bad situations. They want to try to get away from that. Mac Brown has talked multiple times about We've got to win the one-on-one -on -one battles up front. If they can consistently show that here in fall camp, especially some of those veterans that are there, like Taman Fox, Ray Voasik, Tamari Fox, if those guys can show that, I think that's where you're going to start to get that confidence. It's going to breed that confidence because when you get that pressure up front, it's going to take the pressure off those guys on the back end who have been hit or miss. The rest of the guys, not really overly concerned about the starters. I think when you get into some of the depth, that's where you're going to have to see some guys probably grow up pretty quickly. We'll see if certain guys you know, continue to take the steps that they did during the spring. But I, I think that the biggest thing is, is you want to see this defense showing that uh, basically at this point they're going to be capable of – helping this team win a game or two early on in the season if they need it because there's no guarantee this offense is going to be as good as they were early in the year right out of the gate. If Carolina wants to win the ACC Coast, which they were picked to do by the ACC media and play in the ACC title game, the defense is probably going to have to win them at least two games, in my, in my opinion. So, and it's probably going to be in the first month and a half of the season where the defense is going to have to win you those two games. May have to win the first game for you. I and I'm going to be so. honest with you. That's going to be an extremely tough environment. You're going to a place that you haven't had a ton of success before. It's your first game of the season. And remember, this is the first time in over a year that Virginia Tech's had a fan base inside of that stadium. So, it's going to be, it's going to be a raucous environment. So, I think they've definitely got to be ready. We'll know going into that game how Mac Brown feels about his defense. Like yeah. you said, he's very honest so we'll get a good feel for that and then the other you know the other storyline that I'm watching just because he's t talked about it so much this offseason you know you've talked about a guy that could be on the hot seat just a little bit for his job is Stacey Searles well I don't think there's any questioning of the fact that Javon DeWitt oh, is yeah. in a crucial year for him uh, this special teams unit now last year again that was his first year as a, a, a as the special teams coordinator it was a COVID year so you couldn't get as many things that a, that you want installed but Mac Brown demands excellence and like you said there this is it's a short window for Mac Brown here at Carolina. He knows that. Look, he's you know he's doing everything. It doesn't seem like he's ready to leave the game anytime soon, but you just don't know when health issues can set in or stuff like that. So you need to kind of look at every year as an opportunity. I think that's what he's going to look at in this scenario. And if he doesn't see improvement from the special teams unit, then he is going to make the changes necessary. And it starts in fall camp. Can you find a guy that can return the ball consistently for you? That's something that's kind of lacked over the last couple of years. I mean, you've had moments where Daz Newsome has hit a couple of big plays, but the last time that you scored a punt return touchdown was back in the 2018 season with Daz Newsom. So you've got to be able to find some of those plays on special teams. You need to find a little more consistency out of your kicker, Grayson Atkins. And I think that's going to be one of the big storylines because, again, you talk about that first game of the year, really those first 
uh, you know, those first few weeks of the year, Carolina is probably going to have some moments where they need to lean on their special teams to make plays. This will be a good chance to see if they can continue some of the momentum that they built in the spring and, and, and really clean up some of the things that we saw from them last year. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I think those are the big storylines to keep an eye on going in. Um, and look, you know, there's some positions on this team that you feel really confident in. There's some positions that you are, are, are probably a little concerned about. Now, I will say this. When we say concerned about, this is probably the least overall concern that we've had about a team in a very long time. So while we may be concerned about them, for the most part, we still feel pretty good about the prospects of what they can be. But let's start with the ones that we're most confident in. You know, number three on my list, I went with the offensive line. I think you look at the fact that you bring five starters back from last year. I really like the fact if he could stay healthy, that was another guy that was out for a lot of the spring. He's going to be back for the fall from what the indications seem to suggest. If Joshua Zudu can stay healthy on your offensive line and anchor that group along with Marcus McKeithen and Jordan Tucker, you feel really confident in what this group can give you from the starters. And as we've seen over the course of the spring, Carolina has built the depth here, which was something that was a concern last year for this team. I mean, we when they came into last year, they had six guys that they were extremely confident in and an undersized seventh guy in Jonathan Adorno that Mac Brown said he liked what he saw, but he had to put on weight. Uh, you found... Kieran Johnson in season, that was basically just a diamond in a rough. You threw him out there, and luckily he ended up working out for you. But now you're starting to get a unit that's nine, maybe even ten deep, and, and I feel like there's a reason to be really confident in what this offensive line unit can do for you, and you got to be because they're going to have to be big for you early in the year. Yeah, I got the corners at number three, which is still – Wow. Yeah, um, might be low, but I think that shows you just how confident I am in this roster hmm. top to bottom. It's really just because you don't re- – and maybe it's not fair. You're worried about maybe the health of, of Storm Duck. Like if Storm Duck was 100% healthy – No, that's I, you, that's fair, man. Seriously. Like he – I mean, it came back. He was barely in spring camp and ended up tweaking his leg, and then we never saw him again. Exactly. So, so it's legitimate. The, the good thing is, is that as we – we, we went into really detail when we previewed that court, that position uh, a few uh, weeks ago. There's a lot of talent and a lot of depth, but I got the number three just because of the question mark about Storm Duck. Yeah, I, you know, I, I I got quarterbacks at number two. Um, Sam Howell, I mean, look, self-explanatory, Heisman Trophy, one of the Heisman Trophy favorites, uh, arguably one of the best quarterbacks in ACC history, easily the best quarterback in Carolina history. You feel very confident with what he's going to give you. Even, you know, the fact that Carolina comes out ranked inside the preseason top 10. He's a guy that you feel can handle all of those all those preseason accolades. It seems like he's pretty focused and he's ready to go. I think you look at the backup quarterbacks, and this room is about as strong. I mean, the fact that you can now legitimately debate them and Clemson in terms of who has the best quarterback room I think is really telling about how deep this unit is you got a great quarterback battle that's going to be going on for backup quarterback between uh, Drake May who I think a lot of people want to be the guy because of what they saw from him in flashes uh, in the spring game but you've also got Jacoby Criswell who you can't Mm -hmm. count he's got experience in the system he's a guy that the system seems to fit better than maybe even Drake May so both of those guys I think have what it takes to, if they are needed to 
go into a game, they could thrive out there, especially Criswell being in the system for a year. And then, I mean, you even get deeper into Jefferson Boaz where if enough things went wrong and he had to go out there for you, that's a guy that, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I've seen Jefferson Boaz play, and I've seen Nathan Elliott play. I think both of them were probably on the same skill level. And, I mean, I'm not even really joking. Like, Jefferson Boaz is a much better quarterback than people probably give him credit for. So I think the depth of this quarterback room has a lot of people excited. And, and as you're feeling confident that, uh, you know, Carolina is, is in a good spot. Of course, you're hoping that they're in a good spot for the future, not for this year. You're hoping Sam can stay healthy this year. But if for some reason – he did go down for a game. If he had to sit out, because this is still prevalent, if there was a reason why he couldn't go in a game because of a COVID situation, you would have a guy back there that you could feel confident in. I got the offensive line number two for every reason that you just stated a few moments ago. And the big thing about it is this. If this offense is going to be productive to start the season off at Virginia Tech, it's going to be because this offensive line is ready for it, as I went into detail uh, when we previewed this division group as well. I do believe Stacey Searle's job is on the line, whether that's been directly stated or not. This – this is a this is a proven year. I feel for like him. that's been that's been directly stated yeah, here. Yeah, I, I I do feel like this is a prove it year for him, or he'll get you know he'll get shown the door because you've you've developed the depth. You've got a you've got a good bit of talent on the offensive line group as well. They need to be able to get the same push to up front they got last year and be able to give Sam some time to throw the ball to let those deep routes develop. But I got them number two with all the returning five starters and the depth they created last season. Number one's got to be the corners for me. I mean, you look at Tony Grimes, who is an All ACC preseason first team nominee. He's a guy that honestly. I think at this point has a chance to be first team All American at the end of the season if he performs up to the level that we think he can perform. Uh, Storm Duck, you know, if he's healthy, probably your number two guy on the outside. What he did his freshman season was tremendous. I mean, he was the guy that, you know, he came in even earlier than Tony Grimes had to come mm. in and stepped up and played. Uh, not, I, I don't know about as well. I think Tony Grimes' skill set is probably a little bit more heightened than him, especially when it comes to fitting that press man type of cover corner. But definitely a guy that I think if he's there, that gives you one of, if not the best corner tandem in the ACC. Talk about Kyler McMichael, a guy who started eight of the nine games that he played in a year ago. Uh, extremely experienced guy and, and one of those guys that, I mean, if he's your rotational guy, you are really feeling confident about this cornerback room and then I mean we're talking about we talked about it when we broke down the defensive backs and talked about those corners you're talking about DeAndre Hollins who's been in the system for years now Carolina's had to throw him out there in tough situations and he's done the best you know that he could with the situation and year in and year out when he's thrown out in those situations gets better in all of those situations and then even you know even deeper into it with Obi Buna, a young, talented freshman in Dante Balfour, who the staff, you know, went out late in this last recruiting class and really made an effort to go get. So there's so much talent in this cornerback room that you have to feel confident with the group that's out there. And at this point, I mean, you're talking about if you got down to DeAndre Hollins and you needed him to start a game out there for you, you'd feel more confident in him than some of the corners that you had just a couple of years ago to, to go out there and start week in and week out for number one for me is it's quarterback because you've got the best quarterback we believe in the conference let alone in the country 
Um, and and I've, I've stated before that I thought they had the best quarterback room in college football. With the Ohio State commit reclassifying for this year's class, I maybe have to walk that statement back and give the nod to Ohio State. But nonetheless, they've got a premier quarterback room in college football. You've got a quarterback that you flipped the commitment from Alabama to your school in Drake May. You've got Jacoby Criswell. That backup quarterback battle is going to be really exciting to watch, see how that thing plays out. Mm-hmm. But you've got Sling and Sammy back, a guy that got every preseason accolade he could get. He's a Heisman hopeful. He's going to be a first-round pick in next year's NFL draft, if not the number one. An overall pick. Quarterbacks win games. We expect him to win a lot of games. That's why I'm the most confident in that position group. Definitely. I'll let you go first with the uh, most concerned about because I feel like uh, it's going to be uh, – I'm going to have to do something similar to yours here uh, in terms of like rearranging some of the points that have already been talked yeah, about. Yeah, so, uh, so, so for me, and it's not it's not the starters that I'm worried about. It's more about those guys that are coming off the roll. And, play, and for me, it's the linebacking core. I think you, what you got when you start – with um, with Jeremiah Gimmel is going to be really really good and um, God his name's uh, and, and all those other guys that are going to be Eugene Asante Eugene Asante starter yeah um, those two guys I'm really confident in the guys that are coming off the bench behind them but are going to have to play some snaps they're going to have to play snaps I know Jay Bateman has liked to rotate guys I think it proved last year even if it's five to ten snaps those things are proven valuable to keep your guys fresh but the, the you know your power Eccles and those guys those guys are the future of your defense. I'm more worried about how do they adjust to the scheme because the scheme is complex and stuff like that, and you don't have a month to kind of ease it into it. A lot of Power 5 schools, unless you're like Alabama or Clemson, you have a whole month of non-conference games that you can really, you know, what's the word I'm looking for here, experiment with some of those guys. You don't have that. You start the, you start the season at Virginia Tech. Your second home game is an ACC game. You don't have the luxury of doing that. So it's more about – the depth of those guys, but I do think what the guys with the guys that are starting are good. But I got the linebackers at three. Yeah, number three, I got the safety group. I, I think you look at the guys that are there, and look, there's a lot of talent there. It's just about consistency, and that's the thing that I think that's the reason they're on here. And I think that a big reason why they're three, though, because you've got the talent there. You've got guys that you know can do the job. It's just about doing it down in down out. And I think, you know, from hearing what Mac Brown said, there are some guys that he's looking towards to be able to do that. I think Trey Morrison, regardless, is going to play a big role. He was an all-ACC honorable mention last year. A, a, a good, a, a solid player. I don't think he's a, he's a you know, a generational talent or anything back there, but I think he's definitely a guy that you can feel confident in leading that group. It's really the guys outside of him that you're sort of questioning there. Uh, you know, Cameron Kelly, Definitely a guy that was hit and miss a year ago. The big thing for him, though, is he can help you a lot in the run game. Mm-hmm. That was the one area where he never really disappeared, which is the difference between him and Don Chapman. One of the main reasons why Don Chapman has been moved to nickel this year and is rotating out of there more often than not. I mean, they've put him a little bit at safety, but for the most part, he's been you know, taking a lot of his snaps in the spring at the nickel. And I think that you know, with Cameron Kelly, that's a guy that Mac Brown – has talked about, seems to feel pretty confident in that he can step up. But look, there's a reason why Jaquarius Conley has been taking snaps back there. Clearly they think that he can help them back there. He would make that back end a lot better. So I think you, right now, I think you're concerned about the fact that 
guys just really don't know where exactly they're going to play. You don't really know who that guy is beside Trey Morrison. And this was a unit that last year was hit at times for big plays. Can they be? Can they find a way to slow that down? I mean, they'll have to get help from the defensive line. That was probably that. That was the one that I went back and forth with here. I had the defensive line probably number four because we just they've got the talent. It's just not proven. But I went with the safeties here because you still have a lot of uncertainty there. And that's another one of those positions that quietly, when you talk about some of those ones where there's a lot of depth and guys haven't really worked themselves out. I mean, we're talking about, you know, Giovanni Biggers is a guy that I think we have to keep an eye on here yeah. because of the fact that he started in the spring game. So can they find some clearance there? Can they find where they want to put guys like Jaquarius Conley? and Don Chapman, lock those guys in, and then be more consistent than they were a year ago. Number two for me is I got the running back position group just because we know we know what we're getting in Ty Chandler, but besides that, we don't know exactly what we're getting out of all those guys, Elijah Green, Henderson, DJ Jones, British Brooks who started and played really well in the Orange Bowl, and then you got the two guys coming in, and Caleb put a guy who I think that come late October, November will be the number two running back, and then Kamaru Edmonds. And I just think, and I've harped on this for three years now, it's a run-first offense with two running backs. We, we used three in 2019, and that was proven effective. We don't know who that number two is right now. Hopefully we'll know after the next week and a half or so. I think there's a lot of talent. And there's a lot of potential. We just haven't seen it translate onto the football field. That's why I got the running back group number two. Yeah, I got the linebackers. You talked about it. I think it's one that not a lot of people really are focused on here in terms of what they're concerned about because they feel that you've got Jeremiah Gimmel. I've said it myself, and I truly believe it. I think that Eugene Asante is honestly an upgrade I in do. terms of what he brings to the table over Chad Surratt. you got to remember with Surratt, and this is not a knock on him, a lot of what he did was purely instinctual football, yep. which is also pretty remarkable how freaking good he was. <laughs> Whereas, like, now, like, Jay Bateman has a guy who's been playing linebacker, has grown up knowing that position, knowing everything, the ins and outs of it. And you just saw in that Orange Bowl against A&M, and A&M's got a, you know, is there a flashy offense? No. But they, you know, they could run the ball well. They could pass the ball with their tight ends. And he was a star. Well, here's the other thing. He covers a lot more space a lot quickly, a lot more quickly than what you saw from Chad Surratt. And what I think this does as well, and we talked about it a little, you know, pretty good amount in the linebacker preview. This allows Jeremiah Gimmel to play a more comfortable role for him, which is that guy that stays in the box, mm -hmm. focuses on being a run defender, and will probably take on more of the role of what you saw from Chad Surratt in terms of being your blitzing linebacker because Eugene Asante is a guy that's better in space than him. Yep. So that's going to allow you to... Be, uh, uh, overall, just everybody's going to be in a more comfortable role for them. And, and Asante was a guy, when you watched him coming out of high school, there was a reason why Carolina valued his commitment as much as they did when Jay Bateman came in and locked him down uh, during the regular signing period of that first year. They knew that he was going to be a big part of this defense. Uh, it's still one of those things where you kind of wonder to yourself, how did this guy not play more? These last couple of years. How good Surratt and Gimmel were. But, or are. I mean, yeah, but I mean, at this point, we saw, I mean, first start, he comes in and was uh, arguably, he may have been the best player on the field in that it, game. It makes you wonder why we didn't adjust and we put three linebackers on the field at one time, maybe. Right. I, yeah, the system, I think, kind of limits you in that. But, you know, still, I think there's reason to be confident there. But like you said, 
I think it's more you're not really worried about the talent that's back behind no. them. You're worried about the experience because the the talent, the upside for Dilworth and Eccles is through the roof. These guys are the future of your linebacking core and they are going to be sensational players. The thing is, is you are an injury away from one of these guys having to start. Yeah. And we're talking about this injury could come on the first defensive snap of the game against Virginia Tech, and one of these guys is straight in. It really makes you wonder, and look, maybe Carolina did pursue a transfer option during the transfer season. You would have maybe, maybe that's position group that looking back, if something happens, like an injury happens, and this is football, they're bound to happen. If one of those guys get hurt and the defense struggles, and Mac Brown goes back and says, well, guys, we should have been more – you know, we, we got the running back, which we needed, but we also could have gotten a linebacker. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, he he, pro, he feels confident, I think. In we the all feel confident sitting right now. That are back there. I think that if you, if you had to throw one of those guys in, you could. You're just hoping that if something happens, it happens late in the year. But that's the thing. I mean, it, there there is a risk here because I'm – I've seen this is the one position group where Mac Brown has talked about it that there will be a lot more rotation this year, except maybe at linebacker. <laughs> he has talked. To, he has pretty much basically said that look, it's Gimmel and Asante there. We're going to have those other guys back there if they need to be in the game, they will. But that's a position where they feel like there is a bit of drop off, and that's not something you should be too concerned about. That is going to happen. You're always going to have positions on your team where you will feel like, no matter if you're Alabama, if you're Clemson, whatever, if you lose a guy, there will be some drop-off in the skill level of the guy that's there. I think at this point, though, I mean, you're talking about, in terms of experience, the next most experienced guy behind those two starters in Gemmel and Asante is Cedric Gray. Yeah, Cedric Gray has taken six defensive snaps in his entire career. So you're talking about just a humongous gap between those two. And look, when, we, when Asante started last year, he hadn't played a ton of snaps either. But there's no guarantee that those guys are going to be able to come in, especially because of the fact that they are true freshmen. They're probably still going to be a little bit undersized. There's going to be a learning curve whenever they are in the game. That's why you're hoping, like, yeah, your guys can stay healthy. And some of those games against, like, Georgia State early in the season, um, you're, even maybe some of your conference games, if you're playing as well as you hope that you can play, you can get some of these late reps for these guys to get yeah. into the game and get a little bit of experience. Number one for me is a safety position. When you were going through, you had it number three. You said they had a lot of guys that don't know where they're going to play. And that's pretty concerning if you're asking me. And look – I went into detail when we really broke down this position group. I think this defense needs a game change in safety, and I don't know if it's on that roster. I think you had the potential with certain guys, like Trey Morrison last year at Boston College made some game-changing plays. I do think Jaquarius Conley can make some game-changing plays. You're moving Don Chapman to the nickel, which I think is going to benefit both him, which, of course, will benefit this defense as a whole. But, you know, there's a there's – there's a lot of unknown in that backfield. And I think that's just – now. and I think you've brought up a great point. What makes the secondary look great is a great defensive line. If Carolina can get constant pressure without having to blitz, it'll make the safety group look a little bit better where they're not, they're not having to – you know, they're not putting hit-and-miss situations because they're going to hit 
and sometimes they're going to miss. The problem, as you mentioned, when they missed, they were big plays for big touchdowns, mm-hmm. and they really they cost Carolina ball games, especially the Orange Bowl loss to A and M. So I think I think there's a reason to be concerned there, but I do think there's a reason to believe that when they show up to Virginia Tech, they'll have they'll have enough to get by. And I, and I think that's what you're looking for because I don't think the guy that I'm looking for to game-changing players on this roster. See, I think that the, the talent depth is there. The problem is, is that you've got to find those consistent guys that you can count on play in and play out. That's where they're lacking right now. That's why I, I'm not as concerned about them I as I am the about the linebackers. I think the thing about Giovanni Biggers is that's the bright side to him. Is he limited in certain aspects? Sure. Right. But you understand that he's going to give you a consistent effort every time he's on the field. See, I think the thing that you got to realize with the safeties this year is there is probably going to be a lot of rotation back there. You're not going to have guys that are – you're not going to find that guy that's going to be playing 70, 80 snaps for you. Maybe you do. Maybe that guy eventually pops up. But it feels like right now – because of the lack of consistency from those guys, there are going to be times where you're going to have a great week from Cameron Kelly. The next week he's going to struggle. You'll put in a guy like Giovanni Biggers. He'll have a great week, then he'll struggle. So I think that's kind of you're going to have to have a bunch of guys that are just kind of ready to go, and you'll just figure it out from there. But I think, like you said, you're looking for that defensive playmaker. I think it's Conley. I think that's your clear guy that you're looking at. It's just a matter of if you put him at safety, is that what is best for your secondary? This this is what Carolina has to do. You've got to look at your secondary. It's basically a five-man starting group if you count that nickel position. Which of these positions, you know, these combinations back there, give you the best chance to win. If you move Conley back to safety, well, he might be great. But if you're watching Don Chapman in the nickel and he's getting you killed, well, we might be better off just putting Jaquarius Conley back at nickel and having Cameron Kelly out there at safety. I think ultimately that's probably what's going to happen. I think that Jaquarius Conley will probably stay in the nickel, and I think that you'll see at least early on in the season Cameron Kelly's going to be the guy that's going to get the chance there. But it's about how consistent can those guys be week in and week out? If you can get those consistent guys, and like you said, I mean, look, you don't have – no safety is going to hit on every play. It does not happen. There are times you're going to get beat. But there were times last year where it was over and over again in, at, at certain points, especially in key games, where you were just kind of looking to the heavens trying to find some sort of solution. So that's what you've got to avoid this year. My number one concern is running back here. I think it's mainly because, uh, like we talked about, right now you've got Ty Chandler, but that's pretty much the only proven quantity that you have back there, and there hasn't really been a whole lot of separation. My concern with this group right now is that Ty Chandler's seen as that number one guy. They're going to use him a lot early on in the season, and he's going to get worn down and Right now, I just don't know if there's those guys that can step up behind them. We really need to see some guys here in fall camp step up into those number two and maybe even number three roles. Look, I think there's guys that are more than capable back there. I mean, we've talked about DJ Jones. The biggest thing for DJ Jones is can you stay healthy? Yeah. But as you said, 
His best game came against Western Carolina. We haven't seen these guys play big opponents. So can these other guys find ways to prove themselves? Josh Henderson, he hasn't taken many significant reps. The, the fact, to me, the fact that he didn't start the Orange Bowl game over British Brooks is something that was noteworthy. Can you find these guys that sort of separate themselves? I, I think the guy that you talked about, Caleb Hood has a really good chance because he came in early, because of the running style that he has. You know, I, I think that lends well to him. I really wish that Kamaro Edmonds would have came in early because I feel like he would have been a great, great fit in this backfield this year. He has some similar running elements to Javante Williams. Not quite as strong of a runner as, as Javante was, but a guy that can run inside the tackles. That's the main thing that you've got to find. You've got Ty Chandler who can get to the edge and do things in space. Mac Brown's talked about his speed. He can run with a little fez a little bit of physicality. So could Michael Carter. Yeah. You need that guy that can run in between the tackles and help you out. And right now, I just don't know if you have that guy. That's the only reason that I'm concerned there. But I think all these positions, this is the thing. In years past, there were certain positions that we would come on here and tell you, well, let's be honest, they're really not going to be that good. Let's see if other positions can pick them up. These positions, we're talking about the fact that there are guys that have a chance to be good there. It's just a matter of can they handle what type of role they may be thrust into if they're thrust into that role. Yep. So uh, we go on, top position battles, you know, we do these pretty often uh, when it comes to going into some of these camps. I think some of these have definitely changed. I think that they're, you know, starting running back was one. I feel like at this point that's off my list because I feel like you've got Ty Chandler. I think, you know, the backup running back position will be an interesting battle, but I don't know if it's quite up to the same level as some of these other ones uh, that we've got on this list. So uh, I'll go first. Number three on my list, I have the backup quarterback mm. position. I think that's one that, uh, you know, with the fact that we're starting to see some of these COVID issues pop up again with the Delta variant and everything like that, there is a chance that you could once again get into a situation where you may need your backup quarterback. And look, the other thing is is that Sam Howell's had a lot of really good luck with injuries so far. We're thinking that, I mean, he, he's a guy that is built to pretty much handle some of those hits that he takes. He looks like a durable guy, but you always want to be ready to go. And this also sets the table for what happens going into next year when you need to replace him as your starting quarterback. You got Drake May, who's coming off a great finish to spring camp. But, you know, there were some moments where we heard from some of the earlier scrimmages before the nationally televised scrimmage in the spring game that Jacoby Criswell played well. So it feels like heading in, this is a pretty even battle. And I think another element to this is that most people believe that if Criswell loses the battle, no he chance. will end up transferring. Yep. So I think there's a lot of different elements in play here. That's one of the reasons why it's so interesting to me, and I've got a number three on my list. I actually got the number the uh, the wide receiver opposite uh, Bo Corrales. So I think you know you know Bo Corrales is going to start. You know Josh Downs is going to start in the slot. Who's that other guy that's going to start for you on the perimeter? Is it going to be Choffrey Brown, who we I think we internally believe that'll be the guy? Is it um, is it Emory Sims? Does he take the next step? That I think he can because I've listed him as a breakout player for the last two years. Is it a guy like <laughs> he's going to be on there for a third year, guys? He's oh yeah, going to be there until he ultimately number leaves. one on the list. Emory Simmons. Is it Anton Green, a guy who brings some veteran, you know, some you know, some experience to the group? He's been around the program a long time, just hasn't been able to stay healthy because I do think I think this offense, you know, 
I think Bo Corrales has a lot of value in the red zone. I don't think from the 20 to the 20 he's going to be a – you know, he's a big part of what you do. But when you get inside the 20, he's a big part of what you are. Big jo- third big third down big, guy, too. Big, trust, yeah. trust, you know, reliable hands. You know, and then you got Josh Downs, a guy that you just saw. You saw in the Orange Bowl last year. Look, he's a star waiting to happen. You've mm-hmm. got Sam Howell throwing the football. He's going to make big plays. You've got to have another guy that this offense can trust. And so I'm interested to see who that guy's going to turn out to be. Yeah, I, I definitely. I mean, that's a good bat. I, I the only reason why I didn't put that one on there is because I feel I feel pretty confident that Chaffrey Brown, if he's healthy, can win that that battle. Mainly because I, I talked about it. One of my big concern, one of my concerns that I think I'm not as I as I start looking at it more, I'm not overly concerned with. But I wonder how they replace that deep threat speed option that you had in Deami Brown. And I think Choffrey, with what we've heard about his track speed, he's a guy that, you know, honestly, he has almost the same exact issues that Diami had at the time with some of the drops, everything like that. But he feels like, you know, we've seen him with the ball in his hands. He can make plays. He's a guy that I feel like if he is fully healthy, no slight to Emory Simmons. And I think there's a spot for Emory Simmons still. There's going to be a lot of rotation at wide receiver because you're going to want to keep these guys as fresh as possible. And I'm going to be honest with you, I think there's going to be moments where Bo Corrales will not be on the field. I think there will be moments where Choffrey and Emory Simmons will be your two wide receivers with Josh Downs on the field. There'll be times where that'll be thrown out there. I think that Choffrey Brown is probably that guy that has the advantage right now, and I feel pretty confident. That's the only reason I didn't put it on there. Number two, I've got, I've got the starting edge rusher position. And I know that we've heard a lot of really good things about Dez Evans, but there's one reason why I put this on here. There's a guy in Cayman Rucker that ain't going nowhere, man. That guy, you talk about a guy that comes out and is overachieved. I mean, came in as a true freshman. First of all, undersized to play interior defensive line, to play the that, that four-eye technique that he played last year and still thrived. And when I was at ACC Media Days, I asked about a guy, guys that could win those one-on-one battles to Jeremiah Gimmel. He told me, Des Evans is one of those guys, but one guy that he talked about and focused on for a pretty, like probably about a minute, was Kamen Rucker and how he's a guy that can be used in so many different places and has one of the best work work ethics on the team. He's a guy that is going to thrive wherever you put him. So I th- I really think I know that you've got the established guy in Timon Fox. I don't think he's going anywhere. Then you've got Des Evans, but don't sleep on Cayman Rucker to push him to potentially be the starter. I think this that's definitely a position we're going to see a lot of rotation at. But Cayman Rucker is going to fight for that starting job. Yeah, I, I do think Des Evans will also be in that position because he's put on that weight, and that was the only thing we were worried about him last year because you could see the physical ability for him to make plays on the field. Number two for me is I've got – I pretty much wrote down who's going to be your starting safety tandem. i got S1 <laughs> and S2 written down just because, as you know, as we just talked about, we got a lot of guys who don't know where they're going to be. Um, ultimately, I do think it's going to end up with Conley and, and probably – I think Giovanni Biggers will start to start the season. I think because he's wow. You think Trey Morrison isn't going to be a starter? I I think he'll start at nickel to start the season. Interesting. That's we. That's Just, interesting because I know he's played there before, but we have not heard anything about him playing in the nickel. I think to start in the fall. I think it's, or in the spring. Excuse me. I think it's because maybe that might be your safest bet when you hmm. go to Virginia Tech. And look, you got when you go there, you just. 
I don't care if they don't got to play well. They just got to win that game because they don't go there and win. I don't care if the game is three to two or if it's two to nothing. You want to go there with the safest bet on your defense because the big thing that about when you've gone there is you've lost you've lost those games with really because your defense hasn't made plays time or two. Right. I don't think this. I don't think this could be the, the starting defense for the whole season. But I think when they go to Virginia Tech, that's what's going to look like because I do think. I think mean, that's going to be position group where Jay Bateman's not going to play around. You don't produce, you don't play. Yeah, I, I mean, and and that's his position group, too. Yeah. He coaches them, so he's not going to be afraid to rotate those guys in and out, especially if that is what is holding his defense back. You know, that's a great point because another thing about those first games of the season, it's really more about who makes the fewest mistakes because – a lot of those first games of the year are very ugly. They they do not resemble what your team is going to be in the long run. Everybody is still trying to get settled in. First game jitters. And, yeah, there are going to be mistakes made in that game. I, oh, I'm, God, I'm here yeah. to tell you. We haven't started previewing that game yet. That is going to be one of the ugliest games for a good Carolina team in a long time. It is not going to be pretty at all because the environment there is going to be unbelievable. And it's – I. I it's a place where Carolina, frankly, is not good. I mean, honestly, they've got that game, and then later on in the year against Notre Dame are places that they just don't win at. It, yep. It's they they don't get it done there. So we'll see. I, I think Carolina has a great chance going in, but yeah, safety is that that's the spot I have on here. I think you know when you talk about the position battle aspect of it, there are a lot of different guys that could factor in here, and I think it's going to be one that could go down to. The you know start of the season probably into the season because I think that this is the problem with this group there is there is the talent there and that's what's so frustrating about it you know that guys have the talent you've seen it before you've seen it at other positions you've seen it from them in high school but it just hasn't translated to be that guy that can lock up the spot and play consistent football week in and week out can you finally find that guy before the start of the season? You'll have a bunch of different options back there. Like you said, you know, guy, you'll, you'll have Conley who's playing back there, Trey Morrison, uh, Cameron Kelly will be back there as well. And then you'll have, you know, a couple other guys like Giovanni Biggers uh, and, uh, and John, Don Chapman who could factor in. Uh, ultimately, I think Don Chapman will be a nickel guy. I really think they're going to make that move. Um, I don't really think we're even going to see him that much at safety probably in the fall. Um, Conley is interesting because I ultimately believe that they're going to look at it and, and feel like, look, you know, we got through last season with Morrison and whoever back there. We could probably do that again this year. Hopefully those guys take steps forward. I think the big key here is what does Cameron Kelly show you? If he's that guy that can become consistent enough, you can probably live with him and Trey Morrison back there as the back line of your defense. Have Conley continue to do what he's been doing out of the nickel and just go from there. But I think you're right. I think at this point – um, you're going to see a lot of guys getting moved back there. You're going to see a lot of different things. I mean, every day of practice, you're probably going to see a different guy taking snaps with the ones. Yep. And you're going to see them trying to figure it out. Uh, it is crucial to figure that out before the start of the season. But I also think that you will see a lot of rotation back there in that first game of the year. I think you're right. I think Giovanni Biggers will play a role in that game. Uh, and you'll probably also see a couple other guys. I, I really do think, look, if somebody gets burnt for a big-time touchdown or really just isn't <laughs> producing, is looking a little bit lifeless out there, 
They will be taken off the field. Somebody else will be coming in. That's the point that they at least want to get to is to have a couple of guys that they can feel confident can do some things in there for them when they get to that game in Blacksburg. I finish up number one, the number two cornerback position, assuming that Storm Duck isn't ready to go to start the season. So if Storm Duck's healthy. So you think. So, so like it's, if Storm Duck's healthy, he's your number two corner. That's what I think. But if he's not healthy, if he's. If so, he's, so. Okay, so not that he's not not fully. So if he's eighty percent, yeah. Because if he's if he's out, if you know he's not gonna he's not gonna play. Let's say he, that that leg injury is something again, or he gets banged up again. Kyler McMichael starting over DeAndre Hollins. No offense to DeAndre Hollins, he's a good player, but Kyler McMichael would start over him. You're saying, and, and I'm gonna be honest with you. I think even when he's fully healthy. Kyler McMichael will still give him a little bit of a push. I think I think you're right. I think based on what we've seen before from the two guys, Storm Duck's probably the guy that you would go with. I think it's very similar to wide receiver where mm. there would be a battle there, but I would feel very confident that Storm Duck would win it. But Kyler, yeah, no, you're right. Kyler McMichael is going to push him. He showed enough last year where there's a reason for him to be confident in himself and for the staff to take a hard enough look at him on the outside where he could succeed out yeah. there. So I think, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I, I, the only reason I wouldn't put that on there is because I feel like maybe I'm, I'm just being an optimist here. I feel like you've had the summer to recover. Storm Duck's got to be pretty close to 100%, right? You're hoping so, but don't you think your head coach would have told you that? He hasn't really said a whole lot about the guys. I mean, look, he hasn't confirmed that Joshua Zudu's a go. He hasn't confirmed that. Choffrey Browns ago. Really, this is the thing. I guess you would I guess feel we'll like know when camp opens. See, this is the you would feel like if there was an injury that was going to keep one of these guys out for a significant period of time, that would have definitely been revealed because you those types of injuries have happened before in the summer, and when it happens, basically you've got no choice but to reveal it because a guy's out for the season, he's more than likely going to be walking around in a cast, something like that. Somebody's going to see him from the media, and they're going to start asking questions and reporting it. So uh, Mac Brown's pretty open about it. He's not, I mean, look, they, they, they do the, you know, hockey version of injuries. Lower body, upper body, yeah. lower extremity. They do that kind of stuff. But they will tell you when there is an injury to the guys. It will be interesting. I think if I had to bet, I would say he's probably going to do a press conference on Wednesday. When they arrive, he We'll probably do a press conference, sort of lay out what fall camp's going to look like, talk a little bit about probably if there's any Delta you know, variant stuff, some new rules that may be in place for that, how they're you know, going to go about you know, how many guys are, vaccine, are, are vaxxed. Does that mean that you can have in-person meetings, all that kind of he'll, he'll answer all those questions. There'll be the questions about are there guys that are banged up? Well, how, you know, what is the status of you know, Zudu? What's the status of Chaffrey Brown? So I think those questions will be answered. Um, if not, would be after the first day of practice. So one of those two days, he's probably going to have media availability, and we'll find out there. But I don't know. I'm an optimist. I feel like the amount of time that he's had to recover – you feel like Storm Duck should be ready to go. But, I mean, look, this went from 
this was one of the first practices. It was back in March, his first meeting with the media after uh, during spring camp. And he said that Storm Duck had tweaked his lower leg. We didn't see Storm Duck the rest of the time out there. Now, part of that may have been, look, it's spring ball. He's been through this before. We're really confident in what we see in him. We want to get our depth guys more work anyways. They talked about that a lot in the spring, about getting the young guys more reps than the veterans. I mean, there were drills that, like, Jeremiah Gimmel didn't even go through half the seven-on-seven drills. He did set him out. There was no point. He's been in the system for how long. He knows what he's got to do. He's off on the side doing his own work. When they get into fall camp, he'll be the guy they're going to focus on more. We want to get some of the younger guys reps. So maybe that's the thinking that they had with Storm Duck, especially coming off the injury, but we'll just have to wait and see. So fall camp, as we mentioned, it gets underway. August 5th is the first day. That is this coming Thursday. Uh, we you know, will have you covered on all of those fronts, everything going into fall camp, and then once we go through fall camp we'll have you covered with all of those uh, press conferences from Mac Brown we'll give you our biggest takeaways every time that he has a press conference that's going to be the best way really to keep up with what the Tar Heels are doing this season I don't know I think some of the others the, the, the ones with media passes some of those guys may be able to get in this year but again with the Delta variant starting to ramp up it's it's who honestly there's no telling. You really just don't know. It still feels like it's probably going to be relatively scarce, the amount of media or the amount of media opportunities that will uh, that, that you'll get to see. So we'll really focus on what's going on with those press conferences, what Mac Brown is telling us about the team. That's a pretty good, uh, you know, very uh, – what am, I, what am I looking for here? Measurement of where the team is at uh, in terms of what he tells you. Because as, as Josh said earlier, he's pretty honest about his yeah. team. So, well, he's going to give it to you pretty straight. And uh, we'll, we'll get you, you know, everything that you need as this team heads towards the start of the season. When, of course, they will go up to Blacksburg to take on Virginia Tech. We'll have you covered game week for that. We'll have the normal preview for you guys. We'll have the recap, trench report, stock report. All that stuff is back again this year. So we'll have all of that throughout the season for you guys. And, uh, of course, you know we'll have before the season starts some of those articles like the bold predictions article, the, uh, the, the breakout candidates article all that stuff we'll have that again for you this year uh, as we get you prepared for an extremely exciting season of Carolina football currently on the website right now still a lot of recruiting stuff going on make sure you guys go and check that out Tad Hudson uh, just committed to Carolina the other day so make sure that you guys check that out um, Carolina still you know hearing some good things on the 2022 recruiting trail as well so there's some guys that could be committing here in the near future some guys that are gonna you know that had said before they wanted to announce before the season some guys that are probably going to com push their commitments back so what have you covered up until the start of the season and end of the season in terms of recruiting again not sure how many scouting reports we're going to be able to do this year um, time is going to be a little bit more limited this year than it's been in the past but we're still going to try to give you a, a lot of those a good look at some of the guys that Carolina has already landed that they are targeting uh, in these upcoming classes uh, or the current class so definitely want to keep an eye on the website for all of that. And then, you know, when it comes to this season for the team that's going to be out there, we do have those position previews up there for you guys. Make sure you go back and read all those. Get a look at this roster in depth to see who you think, who we think uh, will have a chance to stand out this year. And let us know who you think is going to have a chance to stand out this year, which units you're most confident in, which ones you're most concerned in. We'd love to hear from you guys on that. Best way to do that is on the social media feeds, whether it's Facebook, make sure 
sure if you uh, go to the Facebook page, you like and follow the Facebook page. When you do that, you get all of that stuff on your timeline. So that means all the articles, all the video editions of the podcast, all the audio editions of the podcast, if you like those, and plenty of other stuff throughout the season. So make sure that you guys uh, are following, uh, liking and following that page. Also, head over to Twitter. Give us a follow on there at Heel Tough Blog. You can follow our personal accounts as well at HTB Anthony for me, at HTB Josh for Josh. And then if you're wanting a little bit of that recruiting analysis, you've got Zach Hubbard that you can follow as well at HacksHubbard2 uh, over on Twitter. Uh, for uh, you know the audio editions of the podcast, if you guys are, are a listener to the podcast, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. We're on all of the major platforms, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those major ones. You can check us out. Make sure that you are subscribed, though, so that when a new edition comes out, it goes right into your podcast library. It'll be ready for you guys to play, and you can listen to those immediately. So many great editions of the podcast that we've done here recently. Uh, we've had some of the big-time national magazine writers like Phil Steele, Brett Ciencia, Pick 6 previews on with us. We have uh, plenty of other stuff that we'll be doing as we lead up to the season. And in, of course, you can go back even further and check out the interviews with some of the former Tar Heels that we did this offseason. A lot of really great additions to the podcast. Some of the guys that we talked to this offseason, Pat Crowley uh, was in there, Ken, uh, Kendrick Burney was there, Hiley Taylor, a bunch of great guys that we talked to this year. Make sure you go back and check out all of those great additions of the podcast. And of course, you got to check out one of my favorites that we did this year, the Nick Weiler edition of the podcast, because he is coming, uh, he is expected to be in Chapel Hill for that October 9th game when they take on Florida State that would be the five year anniversary of the kick six or, or of the kick uh, or of the 54 yard field goal game winner against Florida State so make sure that you guys uh, go back and check all of those out great talking to all those former Tarians. so that wraps up for this edition of the podcast want to thank Josh for hosting with me want to thank you guys for watching and listening and as always Go Tories!